If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our Every Other Tuesday show. I'm Tom Vassell. I am Richard Rodohan. And we are, yeah, we just were talking about games. <laughs> and now we see on your desk the newest, one. well, not the newest, but one of the newer Target releases. Yeah. So what is it for people who might not know? I forgot to turn off my sound. Uh, yeah, this is Apollo. Oh, isn't the full title Apollo NASA Moon, or a game inspired by NASA Moon missions? It's really sharp. I saw you actually liked it in the video you did. I Thanks. You actually, even Tom liked it. Um, no, yeah, you know, what was funny is that YouTube flagged our video. What? Because they put a little thing on the bottom, and that's something like, by the way, the moon landings weren't faked type thing. I'm like, we weren't saying that at all in our video. Oh I didn't my even, gosh. It didn't even occur to me, but... I think a robot flagged it. It made it private. Yeah. I had to go in there and fix it. YouTube's doing some weird stuff these days. <laughs> from from putting monetization in the middle of videos without permission Surprise. to yeah, they uh, recently flagged one of my they flagged a coup video and said it was inappropriate and we can't figure out. I I, I uh, appealed it and they they said okay never mind. But Roy said maybe because it had the word assassinate in it. Who knows? Of course, now this one will be flagged. Um, or maybe they were exercising editorial control because they just didn't like uh, your final thoughts on it. On coup? <laughs> <laughs> it was... <laughs> Anyhow. Alrighty. So, yeah, lots of uh, cool things to talk about. And I'm telling you, folks, at this point in time, I always say this in August, September, but if they stopped making games this year, we already have an amazingly cool year of games. Yep. And that's not counting all the neat stuff that's just around the corner. Yeah. There's really cool games that are coming from Kickstarter. There's cool games that are going to be released over the next few months as part of the post-Gen Con pre-Essen yep. or whatever. We were just talking about one of them uh, right before we started filming. That's true. Well, people know about that one now. Yeah. Um. And yeah, there's just a lot of cool stuff, and I'm happy. And I mean, the fact that Target is carrying a good chunk of good games at this point is just amazing to me. Yeah, I don't think we mentioned uh, this is a Target exclusive. I don't know if that's long term or short term. Most thing. of the Target exclusives seem to be a month at this point. Okay. Because I'm starting to see some of the other ones. Like I just saw Godzilla now is in other stores, and I think the Back to the Future stuff is now in other stores. So I don't know how long those exclusives last, but I don't think they're too long. I do think it's a great sign for the industry, though, that a mega super chain like Target thinks board games are worthy of trying to get exclusive deals and all of that. I mean, that just shows how far the industry has come. It is funny. Like, if you ask me, Tom, like, where do you go shopping? I'm like, well, I go to the grocery store, and that's pretty much it. Oh, yes. Once a month, I travel up to Target <laughs> and go look at the board game section. Yep. So, go figure. Um, all righty. Well, 
Welcome, everybody. This is a show where we talk about board games, and we always start with a look at some mechanisms as we continue yes. our who knows how long trek through the mechanisms at Board Game Geek. Our epic journey, yeah. Today we're starting with the, pronounced correctly, chit pull system. Talk about how, oh. en- enough parody names of the of chit, which is something I think only war gamers really use this term. Sometimes board gamers, but like outside of games, I've never heard it used. You just go with token. Sure, but I mean a chit means a, a token in a board game. It's a cardboard square token usually. Yeah. I'm saying outside of gaming, I don't know that that word has any no. meaning. No. The closest I can think of was uh, Chad's from uh, the 2000 presidential election. Remember Chad's? Remember dangling Chad's? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so in this, usually in many of these games, and not all of them, and honestly, I can't say all because I don't know, I have not played a good chunk of these, you are pulling something from a bag. Yeah. Uh, the one here, the, the well, I don't, Battlemasters, it's been so long since I played it, I can't remember, but Blitzkrieg, you're definitely pulling chits from a bag and putting them behind your screen. I and played, for the purpose of randomly choosing what game-controlled enemies are going to attack, is that what it is? No, actually, in Blitzkrieg, it's basically you're just pulling these chits from the bag and that's what you have. It's almost like a deck-building game. Not deck-building because oh. you have the same bag as your opponent. It's it's okay. more of a it's more of a deck of cards, per se. But instead yeah. of drawing cards, I'm drawing the chits from the bag and putting them on the board. But you also can buy technology in the game, which gives you some chits that you can throw in that are only yours. And in fact, so these chits ultimately go on to become the the units that are deployed on the map. Sort of, although you don't actually deploy units on a map to fight. You're putting them in an area as almost as an area control thing. Oh, okay. The Which description Craig is the, talked about is one of the least warish games. I mean, like if someone said I don't like war games, I still would say, well, do you like area control? Because I think you like Blitzkrieg. It doesn't oh, really. Okay. It's war, but it's really abstracted out. In fact, the expansion for it brings a map of, and it's Japan versus the U.S. I think, mm-hmm. um, in some alternate. Reality and Godzilla is actually one of the chits, so it just is kind of loony. But I really do so like it I mean, because the official description. I just went back and looked. In such a system, the current player randomly draws a chit or counter, identifying a group of units which may now be moved. That's that's so definitely that's not the what this official is. Official definition of this: it's a randomizer to determine who gets to go next. Well, that that's not the case that may be the case in some of these games. Later. But, well, Air Baron, you're pulling chits, and that's showing what things may happen on the board. It's, I think, like an event-type thing. Okay. Um, there's a lot of games where you pull chits. Zaya, you pull chits from the bag, but that's, again, well, that's Missions and Powers. That's the expansion. Yeah, I, mean, I, I pull chits from a bag in Orléans. <laughs> you know, there's plenty of things I, you know, I pull chits from a bag in Thebes. Which, I, honestly, I thought that was what we were going to be talking about when I saw the title of this uh, mechanism. And I realized, oh, it's all war games. But then the description just talks about it's all about movement. Um, but apparently it's not. Uh, Alan here in the comments says, war games yes. use the term chit for units also. Um, oh, really? I don't think a lot of people do. And I think a lot of... Oh, some people just shy away from the word in general just because it's so close because to it other words. With- 
Well, just all you have to do is slur the ch a little, you know. <laughs> um, I, it almost feels like an archaic word. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually now curious about the etymology of this term. <laughs> well, here's the thing, folks. We knew that this was war gamishy, so we're going to go and actually look at another mechanism, and one that I really want to talk about, and that is yeah, the closed cool. economy auction. Which we should have talked about months ago when we did our auction mega episode. Sure, except we didn't occur to me that there would be some auctions. This, uh, there may be more auctions on this list. That I looked. There are. We're not done with auctions yet. <laughs> I actually wish they had just put closed economy without the word auction in it. Honestly, that's a much more interesting thing to talk about because it's a rare thing, and I think it's really special. The one closed economy game I can think of that Jan and I love is Vita Lasarda's CO2, which has an economy based off of the uh, carbon emission chips that allow players to build stuff, and there's a fixed number of them, and, and they become like a, 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 a trade commerce item, and there are very restrictive ways that more of them can be drip-fed into the game as other ones are pulled out, but it really makes for a very interesting economic feel you don't normally see where, um, you know, the bank, the supply is infinite, and you can always get more stuff and just return it to the bank, uh, which is not necessarily the reality of an economic system. There are finite resources, but that's not what this is. This is about auctions specifically. Well, yeah, it's a little weird, but even then, I I would be hesitant. I guess these are all... I mean, Dream Factory is an auction. Dream Factory originally, yeah. Trump Fabric, um, where you bid to win different actors or actresses and things to put in movies, and whoever wins the auction... Their money is split as evenly as possible between all the other players. I've, Which I've, is a weird thing. That's a pretty unique thing. It's weird because it doesn't make any sense in real life, right? But <laughs> in a help, game, yeah. it's such a cool mechanism because mm -hmm. it means if you way overbid on something and everyone else gets it, or if you just keep losing, eventually you can't lose. Eventually yeah. you're going to have a ton of money. And, and there's something yep. about that that's satisfying. You're like, oh, I lost at auction, but hey, I got some money. It's a great catch-up mechanism, definitely. Really smart. Thematically, how do you justify it? Oh, I feel like I should be able to do this. I need to crack this nut. Well, like, for example, I just recently, I haven't done anything on eBay in ages. But yesterday, I won an auction on eBay. My money wasn't... Really? I know. And I won it... Because yeah, actually, because of this, I went back and took a quick look at our previous auction mega episode to see if we'd already talked about this. And one of the things you mentioned in there is, I haven't done an eBay um, other than buy it now for a decade because I hate snipers like you, Rotto! Or words to that effect. <laughs> yes, and I won it the old-fashioned way. I went and put the maximum amount I could bid, and I pretty much almost paid that. But still, <laughs> still, snipers. It, it's really annoying because you put in your bid and it's like whatever amount. Like, let's say 15, let's say I'm bidding on a $30 item. I put in 15, I come back and it's, Twenty nine fifty, and you're like, <sighs> fine. <laughs> so, yeah, but I mean, I won that auction. I did not then immediately take my money and pay all the people who got lost to me. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, but I guess you could say it's a dumbed down version of what happens in real life. Because by me winning your auction on eBay, you then can bid on other people's auctions on eBay. We're just taking that out. I suppose. 
suppose. Uh, the best thematic justification I can come up with, if you abstract everything out to, oh, well, it's not like we're all just sitting around in an auction house with somebody banging a gavel. It's more that we're a bunch of production companies competing for whatever it is. And if you won, that meant your production company spent that month with all its efforts and focus on trying to bag that actor or whatever. And that meant, oh, my production company, which lost, we spent our month going out and doing other things and earning money, whereas you just focused chasing after Tom Cruise. That's the best I can come up with, and even I'll admit that's a stretch. And I'm the fine theme everywhere guy. You are. Um, so there's also no thanks to classic game of throwing a chip on a card or taking yep. the card. Of course, once again, there are six games in this list, and if no thanks is on the list then Mogul has to be on the list, and any No Thanks clone, of which there's at least two or three others. Yep. I hope people watching this show are earning all their geek gold by going right, after we're done. because we're too lazy up. to do it ourselves. We're expecting other people. Actually, yep. yeah, when exactly. this is over, me and Rod are going are gonna to make our own list of mechanisms, and then, <laughs> then we'll have to fight off Jeff when he comes in yep. and says, well, actually, and destroys us completely. <laughs> See, Ra has, an, has, an, has a really unique auction mechanism where you use a single tile to auction and then yep. you're giving that tile up though replacing yeah, that tile in the ends middle up going on the board and you end up claiming the tile, the previous winning tile from a, the previous round and so you do have a fixed number of bidding tiles in that game so i think that fits the definition it and does. for the record raw is one of the best auction games of all time i can't believe we didn't talk about it in our mega episode all that much it's because it's really we knew it was going to come up time. now Tom, you were playing, you probably played Raw when it first came out, because you've been around forever, right? Uh, when did Raw come out? I may have played it like the year after it came out. Yeah. It was 1999. Yeah, yeah so it was like a year or two later. Yeah. Why did Raw ship with a three-player minimum when it is such a brilliant two-player game? It took the fans of that game to say, look, you just tweak these numbers a little bit, and it works great for two. And now, Raw is officially a two-player game, but... Man, those were dark Raw times. is a two-player game of officially, but if I go to Board Raw Game Geek... didn't support two players. If I go to Board Game Geek, it does say best three to four. Well, yeah, and that's a holdover um, from people who didn't know. Hang on, that it, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to help you out here. Best, I'm going to pick three. You're a monster. That's all. Alrighty, well... There you go, folks. That is our mechanisms of the week. You know what? There was one more. There was actually at the bottom of the list. I don't know if you saw it. Get back to that list. All right, hang on. More than five? Uh, no, no, no. Um, the tribes. Oh, the tribes. Oh, I thought you were talking about the voting here. Look at this. Oh. Look how many people voted for more than five here on this. Oh, not recommended. Never mind. The oh. majority of people here voted for um, 214. For five players with Ra. Are you suggesting this is a uh, new topic that we can switch the show over to once we make it through all the mechanisms? Is going and critiquing player counts? Uh, no, because then we'd have to do player weights and stuff. All right, anyway, uh, where are we? Oh, yes, back to Tribes. This one just came out last year. Tribes, Dawn of Humanity. Well, yeah, actually, actually it's, a, it's a reprint of a game that came out a few years earlier. And the thing is, there are no auctions in this game at all. Um... This game uses the small world Forenza Vinci style draft system. Yeah, that's of, something different. Um, yeah. yeah, that's something very different. I agree. Yeah, I, I love that yeah. mechanism. But. There's a 
fraction of a geek gold for anybody who wants to go and fix this because this is not an auction game. I don't know what you'd call that small world system. Uh, uh, I mean, they're kind of bits because I'm paying three to skip over all the stuff to get the thing I want, and then other people can go and get that money, and it is a closed economy. There are only so many of those chips, but, yeah, it's not an auction. All righty, well, it's time to start a top five list. You know what? We're becoming predictable. Uh-oh. That the top five topics started already before <laughs> before we I even asked for them, which is good. Which is good. Which is good. So if you have an idea for a top, I'll write some down here. Um, and then right. I will. And again, to- we have abandoned the your channel. They're games. My channel. They're not games. You're just. Picking the ones you like the most, regardless of their genre. Yes. Um, Which makes it easier for you and harder for me, now that I think about it, in terms of our relative roles in this. Well, I'm trying to pick. Alrighty, I got them. These are going to be weird ones, though. Alright. We have top five documentaries. Top five food-themed games. Top five campy monsters. Top five foods that are better refrigerated or frozen. And top five game logos. Game logos. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I see they might mean... All I, I see they might mean all the ones and just game pick. company logos, but... Oh, it's a game company logo. Well, I mean, a game logo... That makes more games sense. Games don't really have a logo, rarely. No. Yeah. Maybe they just like have a unique font. Magic the Gathering has a logo. Some have a logo, but not many. Yeah. Game company logos. I'm interested in that, but I don't think I have a strong enough sense. So I, I think I'd be floundering on that. I'm, I'm skewing towards documentaries, because I like talking about documentaries, but it means this will be kind of a heavy, depressing uh, conversation. Um, let's see. And then there was food. We've already done food-themed games, haven't we? Maybe we have. I'm going to cross that I off because so. that sounds that sounds too similar. <laughs> Top five ways to pronounce pronounce Altamina. Um, all right, I'll throw in this then. The top five. Oh, we need a game one just in case. Yeah, yeah. Uh, game inserts. Inders. Inserts. Inserts. Oh, okay. So we've got documentaries, game inserts. I'm game, say logos, game logos, campy monsters, and foods that taste better refrigerated slash frozen that, that that aren't meant to be, you know, normally. Oh, they're better, like 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 a Snickers bar or whatever. Yeah, something be like my, that. Yeah, which I'm sure is everybody's first suggestion. There. No, um, you have I to like Snickers. Let's uh, let's campy monster. All right, campy monsters. All right. Obviously, not necessarily. I mean, they could be game related, but this is just in pop culture in general. That's Silly from Anthony Schwartz. All right. All right, folks, help us out here. Give us some yeah. interesting ones to talk about. I'm going to start just listing some, and we'll go through them. So we have the Loch Ness Monster. We have okay. the, the Jackalope. Are these campy? I guess the Jackalope is. 
Well, what do you what do you think it means by campy? Are you talking I mean, about campy means kind of silly or absurd? I mean, I, I was going to assume it was you know the mummy chasing around Abbott and Costello. Are you talking about Universal monsters? Well, I mean, the Universal monsters I think do have a certain camp quality. Ooh. Now we've got to find campy. Ooh, I, I'm I'm okay with shifting there. You're right because I'm I was talking more about uh, what do you call those. The jackalopes thing. Uh, all right. Uh, you're, you're talking about um, apocryphal, but real world type supposed monsters. All right. All right. So we have the creature from the lagoon. Okay. We have yep. gelatinous cube. I would argue that that's definitely there. Um, that's a good one. Uh, the Jersey Devil. Um, scary in X Files, as I recall. The Blob. Yeah. Chupacabra. A monster that if in the movie or TV show, it's coming for someone, and they scream, you have to say, okay, you're being ridiculous. There's no reason to scream at this thing. The bunny robot from King of Tokyo. Oh, Gossamer. Um, that's the monster from Bugs Bunny. You know which one I'm talking about? The big hairy oh, one? I love that monster. Oh, I love, yeah, no face, just like all shoulders. Yeah, but with like, and he's hairy, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that is that that monster's name? I had no idea. Gossamer? Well, that's what someone said. Let me look it up here. I'll, I'll take that. That's my that's my first recommendation. Yes, I, I Gossamer that. is his name. Uh, I'm with you. In fact, have you watched the new Looney Tunes? No. So uh, part of the new HBO Max um, oh, okay. thing, they had a new set of Looney Tunes, which are like the only way you would know they were made last year was that you know you might see Bugs Bunny have a cell phone at some point. Other than that, they stick to the old. They really do. Um, Gossamer was in one. That's what made me reminded me of it. Um, That you know all the classic stuff, Wile E. Coyote and stuff. But yeah, so all right, I hundred percent agree with you on Gossamer. All right, all right. Hang on, I've missed a bunch here. Okay, so we got um, someone said my stepmom. Come on now, Uh, the State Puff Marshmallow Man. Um, Yeah. Slimer. Same movie. Yeah. Uh, someone said Slimmer. No, that's a thin person. Um, does Freddy Krueger count? No, he's he's at least scary in the first one, from what I understand. Yeah. I mean, he is kind of campy, but I I think you know used correctly, he can be scary as well. Whereas no one is scared of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, even though. How many people died in that incident? They kind of brush over that. It was like a you're right, you're right. He's just, horrific he's, event. He's smashing down the street. Yeah, no one always in those kind of movies. You know, yes, many many people died, and it's like, and then at the beginning of the next movie, they're kind of like, well, they got sued. <laughs> yeah. Um. The missing link, the thing. Um, I would argue I like to pick the gelatinous cube because I think the gelatinous cube, especially if you've watched. The, the movie that came out this year, um, what's it called? Uh, the, the newest Pixar movie. Oh, 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 right. Um, which has a really forgetful title. <laughs> um, but was an excellent movie, yeah. I want to yeah. say Far Away, but that's not it. Eh, I can't remember, but um, I, I really... Onward. Onward. Yeah, Onward. I really like the gelatinous cube. It's always been, it's one of those monsters in D&D that technically, yes, it's kind of scary in a sense, but at the same time, it's more fun than not. In fact, I, I have one right here. In my, yep. In, it in wiggles back. like a bowl full of jelly. I agree. I'm down, I'm totally down with that. 
All right, but because we picked the gelatinous cube, I'm going to, to veto the blob because I think they're too similar. Okay, fair enough. The, the blob, you know, that, that's... So what about the universal monsters then? Any of those? Well, okay, yeah. I mean, I think you got to give it to at least one, and I think you were right to call out the creature from the Black Lagoon. Well, that was someone here, but okay. Yeah, or whoever it was, because that's just silly. Ooh, Killer Tomatoes and Killer Clowns. Both of those are campy. Yeah. Can I throw an odd one out, which I probably most people won't agree yeah. with? The Sarlacc Pit. Huh. That's true. I mean, you have to think about it. The only way for that really to get you is for you to be thrown in or randomly just like dot to dot across the desert, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then in the in the new re-release, they added CGI tentacles and like a weird little bird beak thing to it, I think, if I recall correctly. I actually didn't hate that. I, I mean, I, I didn't think it was bad. That part of the CGI didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it was more that they had to do something because it's silly. Well, they also, well, they made it, so if you read the, the books, oh, which yeah. I guess are technically not canon anymore, but they, at the time, Boba Fett was, like, in there for a really long time, slowly being digested oh, really? and finally managed to get out by basically igniting his backpack. It scorched him, but it made the thing kind of vomit him out. Are you serious? They, okay. Well, they don't want to get rid of Boba Fett. He's, like, a very popular character. Indeed, yeah. Well, that just reminds me of the Patton Oswald filibuster on Parks and Recreation. Uh, <laughs> At the very beginning, you see a hand, <laughs> and it's Wolverine. <laughs> Ooh, Little Shop of Horrors. Yes, Audrey 2, Audrey 2 takes the number one spot. Feed me, Seymour. Feed me, Seymour. All night long. That's right, you can do it. Uh, we got Tremors. Those are actually pretty genuinely gross and scary, I think. All I don't right. think there's much... I mean, it's a silly movie, but they are from a very serious movie with a bunch of silly characters. That's reasonable. I showed that movie to my kids the other day, and it was... It's one of those movies that I thought held up pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, because... Because it's in a hick town that's away from everywhere else, the, the technology differences aren't as big of a deal. Yep. I'm going to veto them. They're... Okay, no, we have four already. We have... No, we have our five. Never mind, we're done. Sorry. All right. We have... What was the five? The Creature from the Black Lagoon, The Gelatinous Cube, Gossamer, Sarlacc, and Audrey 2. Oh, so you were down with Sarlacc. I'm down with Sarlacc. All right. Those are some campy critters. Now I got... I got we got to move on to something else, because I got this Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, I really like that musical. So, oh, and it's so great. All right, folks, it's question Suddenly time. Suddenly Seymour, standing beside you. Hey, I heard that uh, the character of that uh, movie, um, uh, he uh, is coming back, Rick Moranis. He, his wife died um, at some point, so he went home and took care of his kids and realized that he would prefer doing that and not go out yeah. and acting. And, and so he retired. he retired from acting, even though he had a pretty lucrative franchise of the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and stuff, mm-hmm. to the point where he didn't even come back and do a cameo on a new Ghostbusters movie. He was the only person who didn't. But I read that he is coming back in an, a new movie, Shrunk, a sequel to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, wow. And as dumb as it sounds, I will watch it just to see him because he's always I been one of my favorite actors. I don't care about the Honey, I Shrunk the Kid franchise at all, but that has rocketed to my mu- one of my must-see movies now. The one movie that he's in that... Uh, 
He's in that uh, Canadian movie. Um, uh, oh, I am forgetting the name of it. Uh, yeah, Cole, Strange, or, Brew. Strange Brew. Strange Brew. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What are you talking about, eh? All right. Anyway, questions, folks. Well, you got questions. We've got answers. Maybe. Did we ever see the original Little Shop of Horrors with Jack Nicholson? I did not. No, I've seen clips of it on YouTube. Uh, you know, specifically the dentist scene, which because he just makes a cameo and comes in just for that, does the Bill Murray role. But uh, yeah. Have Someday. either of you watched the new docu series called High Score about video games? I watched the first episode the other night on Netflix, if I recall. Yeah, on Netflix. And it was well done. I knew probably 80% of everything they had to say. So I, I ended up watching it at double speed, um, which you can do if you watch it in a browser and use a Chrome plug-in that lets you speed up HTML5 videos. Um, I don't think I would have been able to make it through without that just because I knew most of this stuff. It, it, it was definitely interesting. I, I could imagine if it was all news to me, then it would be really cool. See, that's the thing I, I thought about watching it. I, I came, I saw it last night. I was like, ooh, I wonder. Like, man, but I've read so much about the beginning. And then yeah. I thought, maybe I'll skip to episode five. <laughs> you know, about more modern stuff that I wouldn't know about. Yeah. So. I'll probably stick with it. But again, played at double speed. Uh, let's see here. Redesign and reissues are a new trend. I don't disagree on this. I was just thinking about this because um, on my table in the back there, I got small World of Warcraft setup. And we were, uh, I'm comparing uh, Raiders of Scythia to Raiders of the North Sea. And so the question is, is it due to lack of ideas or poor sales results of new games? No and no. I agree. It is, it is done because the industry is getting big enough to where there is enough content to call from. And in any creative large market endeavor, which board games are becoming, it is incredibly risky to pursue new IP, new franchises. And if you have access, if you have ownership of something like RoboCop that once upon a time proved that people would give you money to go see it in a theater, what are you going to do? Take a chance on the completely brand new thing that audience will likely um, ignore or reboot RoboCop. Nine times out of ten, they'll do that. And with good reason, because the audiences have proven that they are risk averse and will often completely ignore something completely new. And so I think we're going to see more and more of that. Hmm, I could get this brand new Martin Wallace game or this beautiful reprint of Brass. Well, I know Brass must be good. I don't know about this Rocket Men. Yeah, I'll probably go with this. And publishers know this. That's what's If you what's think happening. that might not be true, go to Kickstarter oh. and check out Queen's current Kickstarter of the redone Feld games that are selling for an incredibly large amount of money and people are eating that up. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Yes, it's, it, it, and that is an example. Um, it'll be interesting, ultimately, I mean, this is, a, this is a crazy Feld year. We've got Bonfire, brand new IP. We've got Castles of Tuscany, which is like a spin-off of one of his biggest, and then we've got the Queen Games, which are just re-implementations of two of his most loved classics. Which one would you imagine will ultimately do best sales-wise? The only time I think a new one will do better is if it's part of a series. And even then, it's not technically new. Right? I think the reality is, I'm, I am personally most excited about Bonfire 
and I suspect it will not do as well as the other ones unless you wait 10 years and then the bonfire repackage comes out. <laughs> and then like, yes, finally, we can get the bonfire we've been waiting for for a decade. <laughs> All righty. Um, let's see here. As a video game industry guy, what does Rado think about innovation in the video games industry versus the board game industry over the past few years? I, I wish I could tell you. The last video game I played all the way through was the second Batman Arkham game. And what, that was what? Over a decade ago? I genu- You are better off asking Tom because he's got kids who play all the latest, hottest mobile games. And he yeah. plays them a lot, too. I haven't played whatever that new... What, what what's the one you're always talking about? The the card magic, co- or Hearthstone? Game? Are we talking yeah, about I, or not? Heart, the the new one the, that's that's all the hotness. I haven't played any of them. Oh, uh, Slay the Spire. I it's it's been at least yeah, sixteen hours since I've played it. <laughs> and you're and you're you're starting to tremor. I'm sure. It's not the point. No, I'm fine. Yeah. No, I'm not I, that. I'm actually talk. at the point now where I go to. Yeah, that was like a teenage thing. I don't think when I'm not playing a video game, I'm not like, when am I going to play it next? I got other things to do. Yeah, I all I can say is occasionally I'm tangentially aware of new games that bubble up to the surface. Like I forget the name of it, but there's the new thing that oh, for Fortnite is yesterday. Now it's about cute, cute little bean, you know, uh, jelly beans pushing boulders up a hill. Or and you know with the elimination thing, I forget the name of it, but it's incredibly popular. It's just instantly overnight Fall gone. Guys. Nothing to, yeah, yeah. I mean, so and I'm sure that's an innovative thing, or else it wouldn't have risen to the top. I guess I don't really know. I'm so out of I. Yeah, I am no longer a video game guy. I haven't been a video game guy for a decade. Sorry. Someone said, "Is the Apollo shield supposed to look like a robot?" No, but it does from this thing. It looks like a mouth and eyes there. Oh, it does. I'm looking at, yes, of course it does. Yeah. Our nah. brains are hardwired to see faces and everything. It's a, since a, such a huge part of our brain is all about facial recognition. But no, they, these are the uh, spinny things that represent, you know, uh, you know they're, they're, they're globy compasses. I don't understand actually what the point of this is because all this is supposed to be secret, but I can kind of see through that. So what I did with that when I played it, I put the discs through it just to be silly. When I communicate it, I drop the discs through it. I'd be like, all right, I got something to say. Because for folks who don't know, the astronauts are on the outside rolling dice. They can earn comm tokens. And when Jen and I played, we just handed them each other. But you're right, you could go, oh, that is what we're doing. When Jen and I filmed this, that's how we're filming it. I love that. All right. Um, If you could go for a drive anywhere in any vehicle, where and what vehicle? Oh. Um, The... um, it's you know, the vehicle I'd be most interested in riding are we're going to have them in our lifetimes, those suborbital rockets that allow you to get from the from New York City to to Mumbai in, you know, in, in an hour uh, because, you know, you get in the rocket. Oh, we go to suborbital and we come right back down and we land. I'm looking forward to those and then going everywhere. I want to go to New Zealand and not have to ride. 16 to 20 hours to get there. Okay, well, you trumped what I was going to say. I was just going to be like private jet because I've yeah. never actually been in a private jet, so I assume they're much more comfortable flying in one of those. That's, yeah, 
That's one you could aspire to. You keep pushing that dice tower agenda, Tom. Oh yeah. Tower <laughs> Look, I have like I, I There's keep, a great goal for next year. I keep lists of ideas of feasible things, and sometimes I'm like, wow, that's a big thing. You know, I got a big thing in mind for next year, which I'm not sharing yet. You know, like a big deal, but the jet is like. If we ever got to the point where we could afford a jet, we would have. To, I would still say. But isn't that a waste of money? You know what I mean? There comes a point. No, you can totally write it off when conventions are going <laughs> Totally write it off. You can get anybody <laughs> anywhere you need to go. You get better. This is for the best for the show. I want to see <laughs> next year a $15 million stretch goal for the Dice Tower private jet. $15 million. And then I, I need like another $5 million for storage and fuel, right? Um, hangar That's space. That's a problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then, then people will be like, when I say the dice tower is really smaller than you think, they'd go, "Sure," <laughs> and I wouldn't be able to say anything at that point. Alrighty. Um, what do you think about games that are too difficult to put back, such as too small of a box? It's annoying, I suppose. Here's what annoys me: I just played a game that I thought was pretty fun—a small little game called Bites. Have you heard of it? It's from Board Game Tables. They're the same folks who make QE. Oh, and they did uh, the uh, the uh, on tour. Yeah, on tour, there. right? So this is a fine little game. It's a little filler type game. It's fine, but in it you build this little de- device. It's like a three dimensional thing that you put these ants on to show which place they finish in. Great, you build it. Cool little structure. Game's over. I'm like, huh? It doesn't fit back in the box. Mm. I had to take it apart to put it back in the box, which means after a few games like the it tree in Everdell I love the tree in Everdell but that tree yeah, is yeah, not yeah. gonna that tree is, my trees don't fit together anymore because they were put back in, together so many times at a convention they just fell apart so Tom you are saying you do not have stuck on the edge of your gaming table a big old wad of blue tack that's what this is for to hold stuff like that together Boop. what are you talking about that's a, it's just a, it's a pro tip for you uh, have some blue tack. Jen uses them all the time. Um, you know, when you when, uh, victory point tracks, she always puts a little bit of, under her cube so that her score doesn't get knocked around. Stuff like that. Well, that's a cool Very idea. But that's valuable gamer accessory to always have just right here on the side of your table if you need it. That I don't disagree on. I just I wouldn't use it to put these things together because I would have a hard time getting them apart at the end. I think. What I do with the ones that I think are hard to that that fall apart is I usually super glue them together. Oh. And then just leave them on a shelf as a... Well, no. Usually I want them to fit back in the box. Like, I just played Nidavellir, and it has this cool coin tray, but it was starting to get a little shaky, and I was like, never mind, glue it. But it fit back in the box. Yeah. Yeah, I can't think I've been too terribly annoyed, mostly because I'm ready to throw away an insert at the drop of a hat if I need to. Honestly, death to inserts. Hashtag no more inserts. I'm done with them. I'm, I'm fine with just maximum space usage of the box itself. I, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I really do like the game tray stuff. And I love inserts. I really like inserts that come out of the box, and you can use them as something to keep the components in during the game. I liked them the first time around when they were these. These are my game's trays. Yeah, but what about the little bowls that you use during the course of a game? Bowls? Heathen. I'm Heathen. the guy I... who just pumps all of my stuff into one big massive pile. Ah, no one likes that. Start playing. Blue tack piles. All right. Uh, if you uh, needed to choose a language to learn, 
which would it be? Do I have, if I have to work hard at it, it's going to be German because I took German in high school and college. It's how I met my wife. And at this point, I probably speak at the uh, level of a three-year-old. So I've got a, you know, I've got an advance. But if anyone, if, you know, if I could just have it Matrix style beamed into my head and it wasn't work, uh, probably Japanese, I think. No, I, that would have been the case when I was in the video game industry because that just would have been useful. Oh. French just sounds so wonderful. You I want could to be romantic in here, like wiping your ass. But I'll, I won't because this is on your channel. Uh, thanks. I would, yeah, I, if it was, again, something that could be in my head, I'd pick Chinese just because of the huge amount of people that it, yeah. I could reach with that. Um, learning it, probably Spanish, Both just because Mandarin of where I live. Cantonese, I suppose? Uh, I would look up which one reached yeah. more people yeah. and pick that one. That's a good idea. Um, if we're learning it, it would be Spanish because I live here in South Florida. My wife is actually using Duolingo right now um, and learning it pretty well with the app. I think I'm going to change my answer to Spanish because that genuinely has real useful applications in my actual life. Yeah. Alrighty. Plus, it's uh, one of the languages in the, to learn, as I understand. I've often heard that for an English speaker. If space travel were to be affordable and feasible for non-astronauts in the next decade, where would you travel to? <sighs> They're all terrible places. I don't want to go to any of those other places. They're horrible. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, I, mean, I think it'd be anywhere, I'd like to see one of those crazy diamond planets that you hear so much about, I suppose. See, the problem is, is that it's... It, you didn't say comfortable. <laughs> uh, and and the fact is is that when I fly overseas, I'm already really antsy, and I'm allowed to get up and walk to the bathroom, and I'm allowed to get up and walk around, and I bring snacks and things, and I get and I'm bored to death for whatever reason at the end. If I had to combine that with um the you know months <laughs> in a area where I am you know just moving like this. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> yep. With a boot bag strapped to your butt. Because, what is uh, with you and butts right now? All right, let's continue uh, yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, keep coming back to that. Um, yeah, I don't have a good answer. <laughs> I, I, it, would, it would be awesome to spend a few days in the International Space Station. That would be super duper cool. I would love that. Here's a question from Genway Yu. What do you think about Kickstarter projects with all the grandiose and expensive blings? So I know you don't back many Kickstarters because you no. look at them ahead of time. But if yeah. you were... Backing, let's say, let's pick the one you just played recently, the one of the Queen ones, right? So Hamburg, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hamburg. So you can get Hamburg with with just their quote unquote normal Hamburg. Then you can get one with acrylic pieces and a nice sleeve. If money's not an object, which one do, would you prefer to own? Um, well, in the case of Hamburg specifically, I'll be honest. Uh, the, to me, the only really cool part of the deluxe version was the cool little custom meeples that have, what do you call silk screening on them. Yeah, I like silk screening meeples. But you know, I appreciate they've got a classic, elegant look to the boxes, and, and that's all nice, I suppose. But I generally don't care that much. Uh, and, I mean, heck, I, actually, I think I watched your, your Q&A last night. Somebody asked, do, your, do you prefer miniatures or standees? I generally prefer standees to miniatures, so I'm just not really drawn to super big, fancy, deluxe stuff. Um, 
Metal coins are nice. I think Jen likes them more than I do. So if, if that's on the option, I guess I would go for the metal coins because my wife really likes them. But, uh, you know, the I often find with miniatures and metal coins and acrylic things that the art kind of goes into the background, gets downplayed in favor of the materials, the construction materials. Uh, because, honestly, I often think that the cool, neat, heavy coins... Um, yeah, they, they have a nice tactile feel to them, but the original art that was done by the artist is more attractive and appealing to me because I can feel like that was made by human hands for me. So, which is why I like standees. That's over miniatures interesting. Art well. versus tactile. I yeah, might, I think that's what it comes down I to. I might go with tactile. I, You're right. I I think I'm more visual than tactile. I will say this, with the exception of a few games, I am very rarely interested in the extra stuff. I love, don't get me wrong, if you can upgrade something in a game, I upgrade it. In fact, I just sure. got the uh, upgraded version of um, the new um, game from James Hudson. Oh, why is it slipping my mind? Uh, Tidal Blades? Tidal Blades. Yep. So Tidal Blades, we got the nice version of it, and we have these, it has these little rubbery oranges. And I had my daughter paint all the leaves green because <laughs> it just looks better that way. And yeah, yeah. so I like that. But if you say there's 65 expansions and 22 exclusive characters, I'm not as intrigued with that. Mostly because it's so much work to add all that extra stuff in. Yeah. I always, you know, if that, if that kind of Batman style choice were ever put to me, I would always have to imagine, you know, if I'm somebody who only gets four or five games a year, yeah, it makes sense that I want all of that. But you and me, Tom, we play several hundred games a year and who's got time for all of that is basically what it comes down to yeah all right would you force yourself to sit down to play a game you don't like just to play a game with a certain person so in essence if there's someone you really wanted to play a game with famous person whatever would you play a game you don't like just to have that opportunity what do you think I would because if I really because for me it's about the people over the game anyway yeah so if I really Let's say, I don't know, I'll pick Abraham Lincoln was alive and there was a chance to play a game with him. And he said, let's play Phase 10. I'd be like, all right, I'm going to hate the game, but I'm playing with Abraham Lincoln, man. Well, okay, yes. If I get the chance to play a game with Abraham Lincoln, I suppose I will play um, King of Tokyo. Sure, why not? <laughs> that would be... <laughs> it's the obvious choice, clearly. I'm going to want to... I love questions like this. 3D printed components are a waste of time, material, and money. Do you agree? No. It's actually... What what? 3D printed components? What is 3D that? printed components oh. are a waste of time. First of all, <laughs> I would argue that, um, that, that that's, that's a very subjective thing no matter what. But secondly, 3D printers have changed our society. Yes, the gaming thing is a silly offshoot of that. But in actual reality, look at even during the virus, people were printing things for masks. They were printing ventilators. They print pieces for things. I'm sorry, the actual 3D printers are amazing what they can do. Yeah. I mean, we're one step away from Star Trek replicators in our homes oh, at this point. I can't wait to just the food things. I'm like, I would <laughs> like. Yeah, we will. There, you know, it's again, in our lifetime, we could have 3D food printers. It's not un, you know, outside the realm of possibility. So applied to board games, yes. I mean, actually, I'm about to put a video up for a Gloomhaven modular terrain system. 
uh, that they sent me a sample of, and I was so blown away by it. And it is, uh, you know, they are doing three, they are using three D printers to make these, and it's it's fan. I was just, I mean, wait till you see my video for it. It's the what's it the uh, Talisman Saber train set. You can go look them up on on YouTube right now. Uh, you know, gobsmacking, just how amazing these things are. In hindsight, says Monica, is there something about the game industry you wished you knew about already when you were a new gamer? That the industry? I might say, I wish I knew that it didn't matter what games you played. In a sense that when I first got in, people were like, oh, oh. you have to play this, 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 and this, and this, and this. And I was like, all right. And I went down and hunted out all these games and played them. And that was almost 20 years ago when I did that. And if I, you know, doing that now, the list would be so incredibly long. And the fact is, I found out that you don't have to play all these games to be a gamer. You can play whatever you want, and you're fine. Yep. You don't have to watch Citizen Kane to to enjoy movies, or to be able to have an opinion about a modern movie, or what have you. And the same thing is true for games. I guess kind of along the same line, my first year of being a, a, you know, gamer addict... I had so many misfires. And so I guess I wish I knew then what I know now about how to vet a game to see if we're going to like it before I ever waste my time on it. Because I'm really good at that now. And back then I was like, well, okay, I'll try anything. Folks, good news. My printer just gave me a, a reminder that we have a contest. Woo! Okay. So it's a one-week contest, and we're going to mention this in another video, too. So uh, you want to get in and get in early. A one-week contest here. This is sponsored by Arcane Wonders, and this is for the game Smartphone. You get a copy of Smartphone along with Oh, its- that Smartphone is excellent. Smartphone Inc., that is a fantastic business simulation. Best one in years. Well, I'm glad that you agree that a Dice Tower Essential is essential. I also well- agree. Smartphone Incorporated, and this is with the expansion, Update 1.1, which allows you, it gives you a smaller board for those of you who like to play with two or three players, um, and also um, adds a few other things, more technologies and things. This is for people from North America only. All you have to do to enter this contest is to email us at contest at dicetower.com with the subject smartphone, and then answer the question, what are the eight phases of a round in Smartphone Inc.? What are the eight phases? You can find that on the Board Game Geek page for it, which we have a link for in the description below. You can probably go watch my run-through as well, which would be more fun. Five of them start with the same letter. (laughs) They couldn't have done all eight? No, I I hate when people alliterate unnecessarily. But anyway, Smartphone Inc., great game. Unnecessary alliteration. There is no such thing. How dare you? I Please continue. No, I'm telling you, in my life, people would alliterate stuff, and I'd be like... I don't remember that next point was. I know it started with an S, but it didn't. It was a it was a word no one ever uses. Fair um, enough. Fair enough. All right. Anyway, there's two copies of this. Enter the contest. We'll open it for a week until Monday, August 31st. Man, we're almost it's done with fantastic. August. <laughs> Smartphone. Great okay. Game. So now you've got that out of the way. I have to rewind a bit. What do you mean your printer told you that? Are you living in the Back to the Future 2 Marty McFly house where you have fax machines that tell you about various and sundry things? No, probably because they knew that the printer would catch my attention because it turned on back here and printed it. It was printed from a, on, on a, off Wi-Fi. And so 
okay. So a one of your minions said Tom forgot about the contest. Oh, that Roy, he's a sharp cookie. Yeah. And it means you are living in the 2015 Marty McFly house. Yeah. You said another thing. You're fired. Hang on, I need to get a whole page. Hang on, I'm gonna put on another tie so I can have the two ties. (laughs) Good one. All righty, let's see. Um, we are so far behind in questions. Uh oh, sorry, folks. No, 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 no. There's a lot of good questions being asked. Some of these folks, just so you know, both me and Rado have an FAQ. We get asked the same questions all the time, and some of these are very generic um, things. A rocking musical or orchestra playing classical music? I assume both IRL, both live performances? I guess. I'll pick the musical any day. I love them both. I I, want to be all highbrow, but I'm going to join you at that Rock of Ages performance, I'm afraid. With the exception of... Yeah. Maybe if it was a video game music or a best of the movies night oh. from an orchestra, like playing a bunch of John Williams themes. Which is you basically trying to combine the two into one. <laughs> I understand that. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I, I love live action musicals. I mean, I, I would, I would, you know. Oh, yeah. here's a good question from Taylor. What's a heavy game that you would want to get the Jaws of the Lion treatment? Like an easier intro to a heavy game. Ooh, that's a great question. That's a good top five candidate right there, actually. No, for me, if it was top five, I would just say Vital Lacerda. Oh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, man, that's... A Jaws of the Lion. You know, in the, Ultimately, the full game is there, but you play through a series of introductory missions that lead you up to it, that each and every one of them is engaging on its own. Maybe Nemesis. Um... Hmm. That is a good question. Ah, like what's a really heavy game? I'm going to look at my most recent top heavy games top ten list. That'll be handy. I did see that. I just gave a mad review to one of the games mentioned in that top ten list. It wasn't. Yeah. Any, it wasn't one of yours. Okay. Well, it's a good thing. There were some potico there. Although now I'm more interested in that. I thought Jess had a good list. I didn't uh, say it was a bad list. It's her list, not mine. <laughs> um, man, a heavy game. Maybe Demacher? I don't know, though. These heavier Euro games are like one game. Right? Gloomhaven has so well, much yeah. going on. It almost has to be a campaign-style game like that. Well, I mean, I, it, it basically what this leads to is the Maracaibo-style approach. But in Maracaibo, they're doing, I know you don't like it, to basically tell a story and string a bunch of the levels together. But you can imagine a Mar- approach to Maracaibo, which is all about, look, we're just going to, you're going to play through a few tutorial games, and then by the time you're done with the tutorial, you know the whole game. Um, the, the, I, the, what I come back to, the, the heaviest game I ever played that I love, and it's too heavy for us, or it's right on that borderline, is probably Madeira, actually. And, um, and, you know, and a big part of that was because it, it, I, I would love to, I think Madeira, because I would, uh, no, 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 I should go something heavier, something that was too heavy for us, as opposed to something that's right there on the edge. But I'm going to go with Madeira anyway, because I thought that game was so brilliant, and I'd love an excuse to uh, play it some more. So, uh, publishers, get to work on that. What's your game? Let's get to it. <laughs> 
Where is What's Your Game? We haven't heard from them for a while. Well, remember, we're not going to Essen, okay? Mm. <laughs> that's, that's, there's a lot of publishers that I suddenly realized I see once a year yeah. that I'm not going to, so I need to get on that. Um, so no Dice Tower Space Cruise in the near future? No. People are now talking about poster tack. Um, gluing the photosynthesis trees. That is correct. In fact, that needs to be a game that I do that too. That goes on the list of uh, another task for your minions. Yeah, I have to pull. I actually got to pull it from the Dice Tower Library. The Dice Tower Library is... What, under your desk? No, well, but we've gone through, we've rearranged the shelves. So I don't know if you can see. So you can see the names of the games. And then okay. what shelf and what level on that shelf each game is on. But so, you refuse to alphabetize. Actually, I'm, I'm even stronger against that. And I haven't even got much pushback from people because now they're even more categorized. Like now I got a shelf with abstract strategy games. I got a shelf with escape room games. I got a shelf with uh, thematic games. I got three shelves that you could just skip over. Yep. And so... I don't know. I like I like seeing all the Ryan Lockett games right next to each other. I like seeing Castle. I like to see Castle Burgundy. Oh, you know, all those Queen games are going right next to each other when that line comes out. And I just, for me, that aesthetic beats out the alphabetizing of it. And you have these, so you can yep. there's like six of these notebooks. And then finally, I like the discovery. But it's mostly I the aesthetics. I agree with everything you just said. I know people come to watch us argue, but I'm afraid I have to agree with you once again. Okay, well, you're still wrong about um, King of Tokyo, just just to make sure we're... <laughs> All right, we got time for like one or two more questions. Oh, is Rado interested in Cosmic Encounter Duel? I played it. Oh, you have I'm played really it. I'm really surprised. Yeah, I, I, I didn't expect to get it, but they sent me a copy, against my wishes almost, because if they'd asked, I would have said no, but I'm glad they did. Uh, <laughs> against yeah, my wishes. I, I mean, I, it does not entice me to seek out the full experience, though, but it was a fun little... Vicini style battle of wits. Sure, but it takes out sense of humor. that whole negotiation aspect. So if that's the part you're not interested in, then it works for you, right? See, I love that part, which made it less interesting for me. Um, let's see. People are talking about inserts. Oh, blasphemy. People are upset that you throw away inserts. Um, was there a professional opportunity that you passed on that you wish you took? <clears throat> um, yes, I know for a fact. I was offered the uh, creative lead, you know, top dog on uh, what would have been Fable 4. Because I was the uh, creative lead on Fable 2, and then I left, and so I had nothing to do with Fable 3. And then when Lionhead and Microsoft were starting to work on Fable 4, they contacted me and said, hey, we'd really like you to come back and give us some of that Fable 2 sauce that you drizzled around liberally. Don't worry, Peter Molyneux isn't here anymore, so you won't get high blood pressure and break out in hives. Um, and I didn't. I took another gig instead. And cut to two years later, Lionhead has literally been shuttered. A lot of my friends had to scramble. And I, it's the height of hubris, but... I look at that as partially my fault for not having come back to help steer that ship. You're right. Hubert. Um, yep. No, for me, no. I, in fact, there's a couple things I missed that I'm glad when I first got out of college, 
I was doing telemarketing and I found an opportunity for direct sales of software systems that seemed like a really good opportunity and I knew I could do a really good job at it. And um, it didn't work out and I could have fought for it. And then at that point in my life, I ended up going to Korea instead. So there's things that I didn't like as I did them in my life, but at the same time, I might not have ended up here, and this is the best job I've ever had, ever. Well, ever. And, and who gets a life experience like you that you were able to share with your family, too, living abroad for so many years, seeing a different side of the world? I mean, you know, that's priceless. It is really good. Yeah. And that also is the end of our show. Thank you, everybody. Once again, I'd like to remind everyone there is a contest going on, thanks to our magical email. Uh, from Arcane Wonders, smartphone, great amazing game and now with this expansion if you get it it's even better for fewer players uh one of the things about smartphone is that the board is very wide open for a few players the new board shrinks that down it also gives you more technology for replayability and some other modules and you get all this all you gotta do is email us at contest at dicetower.com email subject smartphone and tell us what the eight phases of around a smartphone inc are was that contest or contests? Singular or plural? It's a contest, but there are two winners. Oh, no, I mean the, the, the email address. Ah, happily, I have both. Okay, there you go. Which All is right. why I never worry about which one people send it to. <laughs> All right. Um, because they both funnel to the same place for that reason. Uh, so, <laughs> alrighty. Well, until next time, I'm Tom Vassell. I'm Rado. And we'll see y'all later. <laughs>